Okay. We are up. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, part 16. And we are, we're going slow. I always say this, but it, this book is just so rich. Every time I think, okay, I want to speed up a little bit, I, I just think, ah, what else we got to do? So, we're going to look at uh, one verse, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, we spent last week, I think, uh, we were talking about that term, in the Spirit. In the spirit. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, which really that, that preposition on there is in. I was in the spirit in the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, many are waiting on this day of the Lord. You can go look all through the scriptures and you'll find in that day, in that day, what day was he talking about? He was talking about the day of the Lord. So, uh, many people, you know, they, they're, they're looking for that day or they've got it uh, measured out. It's Sunday or whatever. John wasn't waiting for the day of the Lord. You remember how that uh, verse 9, I, John, who, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Remember he talk, we, we talked about he became, he when, uh, and in verse 10, I was in the spirit, that, that word was there. And, you know, with the Greek it's, uh, when we bring it over in English, uh, we, we lose a lot. But he became or came to be in the day of the Lord. He, he came to be in the day of the Lord. And I'll say this, if John became in the day of the Lord 2,000 years ago, same for us, right? But we've talked about that a lot before, but I want to... Uh, you know the setting of this book. In John's day, Rome ruled. The Roman emperor or the Caesar was deified and claimed to be God. Now the day that man became emperor or Caesar was called the emperor's day. Just like we celebrate, oh, we celebrate birthdays or, or whatever. But they didn't celebrate that. They celebrated the day he got crowned, and that was called Emperor's Day. And all the time that the Caesar reigned, the people were required to observe that day as the Emperor's Day. That was the day that he was crowned. And on that day, all the Romans, all that was under the Roman Empire under the Roman rule, acknowledge that Caesar is Lord, Caesar is God. So you kind of see the, the setting here. Now the Christians refused. They said Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is God. He rose from the dead, He ascended far above all heavens. He's given a name that is above every name. All power has been given to Him in heaven and in earth. Can you see what this is up against. These ain't just... Verses that, that, that had empty meaning, John's writing on the, on the page. I mean, you've got to understand. 
We don't really see it in our society because of the way our government works. We, we elect people and then elect other people. And I mean, you understand, these people weren't elected. They, they were born into this position. And when Daddy died and Son took over and he became Caesar, and there it was. And you didn't say Caesar is Lord. I mean, you could be crucified. You could be put to death, stoned, burnt, thrown to the lions. So these things that were coming up against the very powers that were in the land, okay? I mean, if you, you think about it, I mean, the Romans had kind of left the Jews alone. Y'all do y'all's own thing over there. We'll leave you alone. Now here comes these Christian people up. The Jews had, had, had looked around and says, you know what, Caesar... We're friends with Caesar. Caesar's our Lord. He's our, he's our king. We, we got Caesar. But these Christians are saying, man, this Jesus Christ, he's Lord. He's God. He, he, and then, strangest thing, he raised from the dead. I mean, we haven't heard such nonsense ever in, in the history that he's raised from the dead, ascended far above. Now, you're telling me we got this emperor's day, and now John became in the spirit in the Lord's day. You, now, I just wanted to give you a little history here. This is the Lord's day. To know Christ and live in reality and walk with Christ in the Spirit, is to be in the Lord's day. Do you, you understand what I'm saying here? Jesus is Lord. See, anybody confesses Jesus is Lord, thou shall be saved. In the day of the Lord. I mean, you understand because I realize Caesar ain't my king. President ain't my whatever you want to say. I have a king and he is Lord. He is Savior. To know that is to be in the day of the Lord. Here's how John came to be in the day of the Lord. It was in the Spirit. He, he became or he came to be in the Spirit. It was in the Spirit that he was in the Lord's day. And, and you know that, that Lord's day is not a date on a calendar. In that day, you'll know I'm in the Father. You're in me and I'm in you. In that day, you'll know. I mean, they may have many kings and emperors running around, but none of them is raised from the dead. Lord's Day. It's not a date on the counter, but by living and walking in the Spirit that we enter into and experience the day of the Lord. It's there. Many are looking at world events and calculating times and looking at all this and watching red moons and calculating seasons, looking for predicting the day of the Lord. Now, I told you when, when the emperor got crowned king, that was Emperor's Day. When Jesus rose from the dead and, and ascended far above. I'm, you know, I, I just got to go back. It's just, I, I want to go look at something. This is in uh, Daniel. And I believe it's in Daniel Daniel chapter 7. Now, now look at this in verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. He, Daniel has a picture of the ascension of Jesus Christ here. He is, this is not his second coming. This is the Son of Man coming before the Ancient of Days, coming back before the Father. He's already came to earth and, he, and he's uh, finished his work and now he's ascended back. And they, the, now that they bring the Son of Man before the Ancient of Days, it says they brought him before him in verse 14, and there was given him Dominion, who? The Son of Man. There was given Him dominion and glory and a kingdom 
that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom. His kingdom, that means if, if it's his kingdom, he's the king. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. So you've got an emperor's day over here, but then you have the real emperor's day. And I'm telling you, when he ascended, he told Mary, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my God and your God, my Father and your Father. When he ascended, that's what Daniel saw. And when he was, he was crowned king of kings, lord of lords. He said in that day, what day? That day of his crowning victory. And he did it and he rose from the dead and was crowned and was given a kingdom and a people and, and a nation, a kingdom which shall not be destroyed, a kingdom that, that is ever coming, ever increasing. That's the day. That, that's the day that we're living in. But it was only in the spirit that John perceived that he was in the Lord's day. The, the, the day of the Lord is a realm above in the spirit. And when we come to be in the spirit, which we are, we find ourselves in the day of the Lord. And see, if I'm in the day of the Lord, that means Jesus is king. See, there's a lot of people who say Jesus is king, but we know because we've come into this experience that he is king and he is Lord. Now, Jesus lived in the Spirit. He, he always lived in the Spirit. He walked in the Spirit. He talked in the Spirit. He ate in the Spirit. He drank in the Spirit. He slept in the Spirit. I asked a guy the other day, I said, you know, because they talk about, boy, when we get into Spirit, all of a sudden, when, when Jesus, John the Baptist said he had the Spirit without measure. When Jesus was in the back of the boat, worn out, sleeping, was he in the Spirit? Well, we have to say he was because he was never out of the Spirit. He was in the Spirit while he slept. He worked in the Spirit. He ministered in the Spirit. Which, which means all true, and this is what we, we always try to say, all true uh, spirituality is lived out in practicality. It's in, it's in your daily walk. It's not something that happens on Sunday on the Lord's Day. Before I came up here, I took out the bag of trash out to my truck to haul off tomorrow. I was in the Spirit while I... Took the trash out to my truck. You don't wait on goosebumps to tell you that you're in the Spirit. Jesus was in the Spirit on the cross. Being in the Spirit has nothing to do with chills and thrills. Singing and dancing and shouting are no evidences of being in the Spirit. Loud emotional preaching don't mean the preacher is in the spirit. Being in the spirit is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It can be emotional. But if all of that falls down around me, I'm still in the spirit as I walk in the victory of the Christ within because it's in him. I live and move and have my very being. John came to be in the Spirit in the day of the Lord. He didn't come to be in the flesh with all the whining and complaining. Oh, God, what do you got me here for? This, you know, these chains are too tight. There's rats all around. Why'd you allow this to happen? He knew it wasn't God punishing him for some disobedience he'd done. You ever think about that? I mean, people today end up in an in a island and they're wondering, what did I do? What did I do? I never read that with Joseph when he was thrown into the pit, thrown into the jail. He didn't say, the scripture says, and the Lord was with him. And John went and said, oh gosh, heaven's a brass and I'm seeing, I'm disobeying. Oh God, he was in the spirit. He knew he, he knew he wasn't there because he had a lack of faith. In the spirit, we see the invisible. We hear the inaudible. We understand the incomprehensible. We live and move and have our being in the spirit. 
that this day of the Lord is not a date on the calendar. It's not Sunday. It doesn't begin one day and end another day. It's not a 24-hour day at all. It's not a seven-year day, as some people try to claim. It's not a thousand-year day. Some people try to claim that. You've, you've heard that. The day of the Lord is. The Scripture says, God is light and in Him is no darkness. The day of the, uh, that, that's the day of the Lord. You know, God said, let there be light. And then you know what He said? And He called the light day. Now, Jesus comes and says, I am the light. Now, what did God call the light? Day. Jesus is the day of the Lord. And where are we? We're in him who is the day of the Lord. And, and, and what, what happens? It's the illumination of the light of God. You know, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, being illuminated can't see in the dark it's dark outside but when the light comes the day of, uh, of the Lord is a condition that takes place within a people it's 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 light it's Christ it's that understanding that begins to dawn in our consciousness that elevates our awareness of God and the dimension of the spirit you know I mean we'll get there uh, in in this book of Revelation the day star the day star rising in your heart. I mean, that's kind of a, a weird statement because stars don't come up in the day. You see stars at night, but he said the day star arise in your hearts. It's the understanding of the Almighty. It's the revelation of God's glory, the revelation of God's majesty, the revelation of God's will, the revelation of God's purpose. You know, I told you before, in Genesis, he called the light day. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Then he says in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Listen, listen to this verse. This is in uh, Thessalonians chapter 5 listen to what Paul says sometimes the audacity of what Paul says to these churches blows my mind I mean I just look at these verses he said in chapter 5 verse 4 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 4 but ye brethren are not in darkness now let me back up here because everybody always says now think about this. Always going to come as a thief as a night. Now that, that's scripture. He says he comes as a thief as a, in the night, right? So everybody said, well, Jesus must be coming at night. Let's see what he says here. I'm going to back up to verse 1. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. He says, you guys know. He comes as a thief in the night, this day of the Lord. Now listen, for when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman uh, with child, and they shall not escape. Now I've got to throw a disclaimer in here. Paul is writing to these Thessalonians at the same time the temple is over here, and they're offering sacrifices, right? And the priesthood. And at the same time, Rome and Caesar is God. So here these Christians, these new Christians, are caught in the middle. See, they didn't have the law, but the Jews are telling them, hey, if you really want to be a good follower, you need to come over here. You need to be circumcised. You need to keep this law. You need to be a Judaizer, right? You need to keep Judaism. And the Romans are telling them, no, you need to see Caesar's Lord. So Paul is talking <laughs> to these people that are caught in the middle. 
And he says, you know, he comes as a thief in the night. But then he says this, because see, 70 A.D. hadn't came yet. And he says, but you, brethren, these ones who are called in the middle, are not in darkness. That the day should overtake you as a thief. Do you see what I mean? He's giving these people encouragement. Ye are, are all the children of light. And the children of day, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. When, does, when did he say the thief comes? The thief comes in the night. But he says, you are of the day. You're children of the day. You're children of the light. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for helmet and the hope for salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for others, who died for us. We'll get into some of that more and more and more, but I just wanted you to see that. What is happening is that understanding, this, this day of the Lord, light, what is happening is understanding is coming to us. Remember, he's made into us wisdom. He's made that into us. Understanding is what? Light. That's why Paul says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. We are understanding God. We're at in the face of Jesus Christ, understanding His Spirit, His ways, His wills, His truth, His person. The day of the Lord is dawning in us, right? The day stars are rising in our hearts and the darkness is fleeing away. And you know, uh, just as it got dark here, it's daylight somewhere else in the world. Day and night coexist on the earth side by side. So the day of the Lord and gross darkness that covers the people coexist side by side. So there are both children of the day and there are children of the night, children of wrath, living side by side, sometimes even in the same household. Some walk in darkness, others walk in light. Now this day of the Lord neither begins nor ends. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't. It is. It simply is. Now it begins for us. It begins for us at that blessed moment when quickened by the Holy Spirit, it dawns in our minds so this day has nothing to do with time, has nothing to do with dates on the counter. It only has to do with, our, with your relationship to it. The day of the Lord is. People are waiting on the day to come. Let me tell you when the day of the Lord will come. When they arise from their carnal-minded delusions and step into it. Now think about that. Everybody is waiting on the day of the Lord to arise, and it will arise when you step into it. So where's it, you know, like we were talking about early, it's not some day way out there trying to predict. It'll happen as soon as you awake to it. I mean, what did Paul say? Arise, awake, awake, O sleeper, awake unto righteousness. That's when, the sooner you wake up, the sooner you step into the day of the Lord. It's like forgiveness. I don't have to go to God and try to get forgiveness. It's something that was already done 2,000 years ago when Jesus said it's finished on the cross. So what do I do? I receive it. So how soon am I going to be forgiven? As quick as I receive it. Right? I don't have to beg for it. It's already done. It's a, it's a free gift that was given before I was even born. I mean, this, this, this great grace is, is mind-blowing. It's, it's unacceptable to the natural mind. We can't even fathom that. 
That's how John got into the Lord's day. He, he was in the Spirit and he stepped right in it. Now, in the days of the Jews, well, they had the Sabbath, which was the last day of the week. All other, they didn't have names for other days of the week. It was the third day or the eighth day or, you know, they numbered all days in accordance with the Sabbath. The Sabbath being the last day of the week. We got the days of the week named after the sun, Sunday. Named after the moon, Monday. And a collection of Norse and Roman gods. Every day on your calendar, every month on your calendar. There's no month on your calendar called the month of Nisan. Nisan, whatever. Ever how you pronounce it. You might drive a Nisan, but you know. We, we, we name it December. Okay? All of these calendars come from the Roman and Norse gods. Each day of the week. Um, it, it, I wrote down here, each week has seven days because the ancient, ancient Babylonians thought there were seven planets in the sky with each one controlling different day of the week. So they, they named the days of the week after that. They, God didn't do that. He had the Sabbath. And then the third day would be the third day from the Sabbath. Right? And let me tell you something. Where was Jesus... On the Sabbath, on the, on the Jews' Sabbath, where was Jesus after he was crucified? He was in the grave. I mean, that was the end of all the old. He'd done away with the first that he might establish the second. So much so that he took that Sabbath and everything and ended it in himself. That was it. And he got up. Now, we know he rose on the first day of the week, and so we made the first day of the week Sunday. It's in the Scriptures even called the eighth day. So most people today believe Sunday is the Lord's day. I hear this guy on the radio all the time. He says, yeah, this is the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. This is the day the Lord has made. So what about Tuesday? Did the Lord not make Tuesday? What about Wednesday? I guess the Lord didn't have nothing to do with Wednesday. The Lord only made Sunday. No. The Lord's day is a state of being. The Lord's day is Christ Jesus. But for you and me, the Lord's day is a state of being. As we become children of the light, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, illuminated by the light of God's glory from within, we truly become the light of the world. We become the day of the Lord. Because as He is, so are we. Now, I told you, that's why I have to take our time when we go through this book and we just can't jump over. we got to look at this day of the Lord because you're going to go hear it. You're going to hear it Sunday when you're driving up here. You're going to hear it. This is the Lord's day. This is the Lord's day. And what, for me to stand up here and say, you are becoming the Lord's day. You are the day of the Lord. Because he called the light day. And Paul, I read to you in Thessalonians, you are not children of the night. You are children of the day. If I, listen, if I am a child of the day, I must be the day. Right? I'm, I'm my dad's son. I, I'm not something different than he is. So if I'm a child of the light, I must be. Be partakers of the light. I cannot be. Uh, I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying here. Now, this is mind-blowing, and it's supposed to be. That's the revelation. That's this unveiling of Jesus Christ is all about. Taking the veil off from what? The Christ that is within you. We have this treasure in earthen vessels and that, that flesh has to be rent from top to bottom. That's what we're going to find in this book. And I can tell you what, it's happening now. What was happening then with John, it's happening now. We are being changed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. 
Christ is being formed in us. The kingdom of God is being established in the earth which we are. That is the day of the Lord. That's the Lord's day. In that day, you remember, you remember what he said? In that day you will know. That's that intimate word. In that day you will know. You ever wondered why you're able to see these mysteries of God and to others? They're just absolutely void of understanding. They just don't. I mean, I could go talk to uh, churches with hundreds of people and they would just look at me like, you're crazy. You ever wonder why the great purposes of God is so clear to you? I mean, you know, we're talking earlier and we see prayer for what it is and we understand it. But others, it's like... They, they don't get it. You know, none of these things. The reason is, is because the day star has dawned in your heart. Light has come. And you become partakers of that light. You become one with the light. And in the light you see. The sun of righteousness has risen with healing in his wings. We're at right inside of you. Healing in his wings, in his very wings. The day of the Lord is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. People would rather have Sunday be the day of the Lord than the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. As we ascend in, in, in the Spirit, I'm going to say it that way. I know we're already seated, but I'm talking about our experience and, and I'm talking about our understanding, okay? Seated with Christ, but babes in Christ, you know, you know there, there's a, a growing in our understanding, growing in grace. As we ascend in the Spirit, all creation is being affected. The events that are in the outer world are not just things that are happening. Heaven, and, and, and we've got to do, do a long series on this, heaven. Heaven is not a place. Heaven is the very presence of God himself. Solomon said, the heaven of heavens could not contain it. We'll do a lesson on that. But heaven cast its shadow upon the earth. The great spiritual things that are taking place within God's people are producing an effect in the earth. And I tell you, there are strange and wonderful things happening today. John saw it while he was in the spirit on the Isle of Patmos. Now, I mean, we look around in this world and we see all of these things taking place and we think they're all separate and they're not separate. I'm telling you, they are not separate. Remember, go back to Daniel, look at that, this kingdom that is ever increasing. Isaiah saw it, the increase of his government, there should be no end. Do you, I mean, God is doing a hostile takeover, if you want to say it that way. And what happens when governments start to lose their power? They rise up and they fight. He even told Paul, you kick against the pricks. So when I look and I see this, I see the kingdom of heaven invading and I see darkness kicking and stomping and trying. I mean, he said he's come down in his, in his wrath and, and he's, he's trying with everything he can, but he knows his days are shortened. Yeah, so I look and every time I see it, I don't think, oh God, it is. I see all oh, the kingdom is coming and darkness knows it. They know it. They're trying to quarantine Chicago off. They know the kingdom of heaven is invading. I don't know how you see it, but I, that's how I see it. God doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. Look, look at this, uh, Revelation chapter 8. You know, we're talking about the prayer here. We, we've been talking about prayer. Listen to this. I'm going to start in verse 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. God, I can't wait till we get to these verses. And I saw the seventh angel which stood before God. Now remember where he is. John, he's, he's looking at the throne. Remember Revelation 4. 
in Revelation 5, and he sees Jesus sitting on the throne as a, as a lamb that had been slain. And, and so now these things are being opened, this book, these seals are being opened. And, I, and an angel, you remember the angel, this message, which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar. Now see, you've got to have a Jewish mindset. What altar is he talking about here? He's talking about this, not the brass altar in the outer court. This is on the inside. This is the golden altar of incense, which what took place there? That's when they, they went and got the fire from off the altar outside and brought it in with a censer. And there's lively coals, the same coal that the angel put on the tongue of Isaiah. Come off that altar, that, that, which was what? Christ and Him crucified because it's a lively coal. That's what makes the stones lively because they come, off of the live, it come out of the cross, the resurrection. And what would take place there as, that, as He would uh, put that uh, coals and He had them in that censer, He would put incense on it and smoke would rise up and fill that place. This is what happened to John when the angel could and stood beside, or Zechariah, or uh, who's John the Baptist's dad's name? Zechariah? I believe it's Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah, yeah. We're brain dead there for a minute. That's what he was doing. He went in to offer the incense. Well, what was it a picture of? It was a picture of the prayers of the saints going before God. Now, remember in the Old Covenant, there was a veil right there. So God would be here, you would be here, and the incense would go under the veil or around the veil, but still you wasn't in, in the very presence of God. But listen to what happens here. I told you these things affect the earth. Verse 3, and another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. And the smoke of that incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Now this angel, don't think of some winged creature here. This angel is nothing but a messenger. He makes his ministers uh, spirits of fire, angels. We'll, we'll look at that when we get over there some more. And the angel, listen to this, took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. Something happened in the earth, wasn't it? I mean, he took that golden censer that had the fire in it. And when he cast that into the earth, I'm telling you, there was voices and lightnings and thunders and earthquakes. Things began to happen, didn't they? Now this is a scene when we get over here in Revelation chapter 8. This is a scene in the heavenly temple of God, which you are. We're the temple. And as the sweet odor of our prayer and praise and worship ascends before God from the golden altar, which is within us. You remember we talked a while back that we heap coals of fire up on their head. That wasn't some terrible thing. This is exactly where that comes from. There is produced an effect, the prayers of the saints. So there's more to prayer than just getting stuff. Right? I mean, when they prayed, fire was cast into the earth. Jesus come and, and what was he said, uh, uh, what will I if it be kindled? I mean, Peter talked about this, this whole world being burnt up in fire. And right here is this angel casting the fire into the earth. But we know that is not out there somewhere because you and I know God is a what? Consuming fire. God himself is the fire. Gosh, that's why we have to take our time in this book of Revelation here. Because man will, all these things begin to make sense so there's more to prayer than getting stuff, it's, and it's an important function in the redemptive and reconstructive purposes of God, and we'll see all of that take place in this book of Revelation. 
There, there's a, 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 a relationship between the decrees of God, which I'm going to call the covenant, all the things that over here, and the prayers of the saints and the deliverance of creation. There's a correlation there. And as our prayers ascend with praise, the very coals from the altar that release the fragrance of the holy incense of our spiritual ministry is cast into the earth. Let me show you uh, uh, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 2, verse 14. Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor. There's that smell of his knowledge by us. We're at in every place. Do, do you see what? That's why, I mean, everybody in the church world, man, they want to get out of the place and God has cast you into the place. You know what I mean? You, I mean, he made you some fire and he casted you right into the earth. He wanted Joseph down there in Pharaoh's house. Because he was, because why? He was going to save the world through Joseph. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other the savor of life unto life. Who's sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. But as of sincerity. But as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. testimony of Jesus and him crucified that the, uh, the coals from off that altar sweet in the nostrils of God is cast into the earth and mighty powers are released remember it says voices as the word of the Lord is released thunderings as the power of God is manifested you know when he prayed down there they, some of them heard and some of them heard thunder but the power of God is being released sometimes that's all you hear is the thunder but it's the power of God lightnings as the illuminations of God flash within the consciousness of men you've had it happen before you see it and it is gone and earthquakes as the carnality of man, the kingdoms of man are shaken to their very foundations. As we pray, the fire from the center of our lives is cast into the earth. And that fire produces the day of the Lord. We are bringing the day of the Lord upon the earth. Now how about them? How about them apples, as they say? We are bringing the day of the Lord on the earth. Who shall abide the day of His appearing? Right? Where is He going to appear? I mean, where is He? I mean, look at this. I always go back to this verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And we'll be able to tell the difference. We are bringing the day of the Lord upon the earth. Because why? You're children of the day. You're children of the light. The fire's cast into the earth. No man can get into the spirit in the Lord's day and remain the same. God is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. And the day of the Lord shall come upon all men. We just read it there. Some it's a savor of life. Some it's a savor of death. And in that day, the pride of man is cast down. The Lord alone is exalted. You know it's came to you. And the day is surely coming when the nations shall walk in the light of this day and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor to it. It's all in the scriptures. We 
when the, when the cry goes out, the tabernacle of God is with men and he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and he shall be their God. And let me tell you what. You go on and read that and it says there's no night there. Why? Because he's the light. He's the light of the city. He's it. There's no night the gates are not shut by night because there's no night. So the gates are open. And the, and, the, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, you that are thirsty, come. The sons of God are the day of the Lord. For upon them has risen the glory of the Lord. And they are the light of the world. Because He is the light of the world. We're the children of the light. As He is, so are we. And the former heavens are being rolled up like a scroll and set aside. And the kingdoms of men are being thrown down. There's a new order. There really is a new world order. And it's called the kingdom of God. A new heaven and a new earth. It's a day of deliverance, not a bondage. Right? Christ is conqueror. Remember we read that he, he always gives us the victory. We're always triumphing in Christ. He reigns, right? Just like they said they had the emperor was crowned. We're living in that perpetual day. We aren't sitting here expecting Antichrist nor the great tribulation for we have met Jesus Christ and he is Lord. We've heard his heart. We've beheld his glory. We are the city that lies four square. We're part of the heavenly Jerusalem, part of that Mount Zion where Jesus the King rules. And the kingdom of God is within you. Now, it says here, now we won't get a whole lot farther here. I was in the Spirit of the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice. As of a trumpet. No sooner was John in the spirit in the Lord's day than he heard a voice behind him. And it was the sound of the voice that gripped him. And it was that, that voice that John responded to. You know, that's what we've said faith is. Faith is when we respond, when we hear something. John is going this way and John had to stop and turn and respond. That was his faith. He responded. He turned. And was changed to see the voice. See, the voice comes to turn us around. It comes to change us. It changes our thoughts. It changes our perceptions. It changes our understanding. Uh, our purpose, our form, our very substance. It changes our very state of being. Behold, he says, look, something. there's been a great change. We're the sons of God. And he called us that. We're not claiming it for himself, for ourselves. He did this. And see, hearing the voice didn't cause John to get into the Spirit, but being in the Spirit, he was able to hear the voice. Those not in the Spirit in the day of the Lord heard nothing. It was a majestic voice. This voice of power and authority, it was a voice of a trumpet. Why did John react so swiftly to the voice of the trumpet? The, the trumpet speaks of a prophetic tone in which the Lord appears in the midst of his people, which we'll go into a little bit more detail because we got to, because these trumpets are all in this book of Revelation. Now there's a time in prayer uh, there's a time in meditation, there is waiting upon the Lord when we become aware of the prophetic spirit and the prophetic spirit, the Lord himself descending in, into our experience and speaking and unveiling something of himself. It's beyond the letter of the word, it's beyond mere blessing. It's the Lord himself. John understood something that few understand. When, when you hear the trump, the Lord is descending out of heaven. Now, i got to go get a verse here back over in Thessalonians. Okay? 
we've talked about this a little bit before. I'm not going to get into the rapture here, but I want you to hear this. When you hear the trump, look what Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Guys, they ain't talking about 15 or 20 different things here. The same trump John heard is the same one Paul is talking about right here. Let us know this is not some future eschatological event, but a present reality to all who become in the Spirit on the Lord's day. When you become in the Spirit on the Lord's day, you hear the voice. And that voice says, come. And it sounds like a trumpet. John turned to see the, the, the voice. He, he turned to perceive the voice. He turned to discern, to understand. Gain the knowledge of what the Lord was saying. What the Lord was doing in this voice. And let me tell you something. When we hear the voice of, the, of God, it's never where we expect it to be. It always requires a turning to see the voice. That's the very reason they don't get it. Because they won't turn. I'm going the right way. Because why? A man's ways seem right in his own eyes. But the ways thereof, destruction, death. John had to turn to hear the voice and see the voice. And it's never where we expected. Because we expected out there, I'm on the right track. Jesus is the way. I heard behind me a voice as a trumpet. I had to turn to discern, to understand this voice. John himself. See, when, when we think we know what God is doing, we've got him all figured out. we got the doctrine all down. He speaks in a new way. You've never uh, heard before. We always, must, we always have to turn from the norm of, of our spiritual experience to see and hear Him. I mean, He told them down there, guys, you've not been this way before. I don't care if you've been in it 50 years and walked with the Lord. That's good. He'll he's so awesome, you still ain't got Him figured out. The presence of the Lord is so fresh, it's always so new, so transcendent that it always demands a turning. This is not a one-time thing. I told you, repent is how we live. Renewing of the mind. And this voice that John heard was the voice of the resurrected, ascended, glorified Jesus Christ. And once he heard the voice, everything changed with John. Wonders began to unfold. Visions of glory began. The voice commanded him to write the things he saw in a book and send it to the seven churches. They got to hear this. And there's not a man on the earth who is qualified to speak God's word until he has heard the voice of the Son of God. And no word ever uttered by man will ever be effectual in the lives of the hearers until that word is energized to go forth as the living word. Now there's tremendous value in words. Even in the natural, they are either creative or destructive. All that happens every day in the world is accomplished by the power invested in a word. A judge, by his own words, can sentence you to death or sentence you or free you just by his own words. Everything in our world works and moves by and through the power of words. And all words spoken from some level of consciousness within man which in turn forms the world in which you live. Forms the world. See, that's so important to understand because we've all formed a world in which we live, and in that world is kingdoms and nations, and that whole world that we live has to be torn down to be a new heaven and a new earth. This is what we're talking about, and we're going to see. And men run and say, the rocks hide us and fall, fall on us. We don't want that. I like the world I've created. 
But none of those words produces life unless it's enriched by the spirit of life from God. You know the verses in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And Christ himself is that living word. Christ himself is the perfect speech of God. When the invisible or when the invisible, unknowable God desired to reveal himself and communicate himself to man, he placed the substance of himself in his word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what we beheld his glory as the only begotten. The presence of Christ places us in a position to hear the voice of God presence of Christ in the spirit where are you you live and move and have your being there man can speak words and scriptures and great sermons and 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 all of that and nothing happens no transformation takes place nothing the only power they have is to testify about Christ they they point to him who is life that's what the Old Testament did. That's what the preaching of John did. The preaching of John said, Behold the Lamb of God. He was holding out a finger. That's what the signs do. They hold out and say, The hospital is over there. You don't go to the blue sign, the big blue H, to get uh, your surgery done. You go to the hospital. A lot of preachers today are pointing their finger and say, Behold the Christ. Nothing wrong with that. But Paul didn't point his finger. He said, We preach Christ. We don't preach about Him. We're bringing Him to you. You're being presented the living Word. When men come to Him, they live. That's what the gospel is. The gospel ain't about Christ. The gospel is Christ himself. The word wasn't made a book. The word wasn't made a, a teaching. The word was made flesh. That's the word John heard. The same word we hear today in the spirit. That word is the voice, the living voice of Christ in you. And John compared it to a trumpet. Look what he said. Uh, Revelation 4, chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 4, uh, verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. God's trumpet message, because God wants to show you things, Wants to get your attention. He wants to show you what's done. Is always to come up higher. And you know what? That's our great need. He knows what you need. And your need is to ascend up here. What you really need, John, is to see who's on the throne. This is the Lord's day. Obviously, in Rome, when it was Emperor's day, you knew who the emperor was. Now, John, you need to see who the king of kings is. Come here, John. I'm going to bring you right to the throne and show you him. And you know what? You know who it is, John? It's Jesus, the same one that you laid his head. You laid your head on his breast at that last supper. It's that same one. Do you get I mean, this is awesome stuff to me. Come up here. You need to see this. The one who spoke with the voices of a trumpet was in the trumpet voice. And it was, and it was in the message of the voice that this glorious one was revealed. That, this was the revelation of Jesus Christ as he appeared to John in the trump of God. Now listen. Verse 12. Revelation 1 verse 12. And I turned to see the voice. That spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened unto the Son of Man. And I'm going to quit with that right there. Because we've got to spend some more time on this trumpet. Anyway, I better stop with that. Revelation gets exciting to me. <laughs> 